I want to encourage you to give Pastor Rick Bruckner a warm welcome as he brings the word this morning. Thanks, Ed. Hello, my name is Zeb Thomas. <laughs> I want to thank the uh, pastor and the uh, elders for allowing me to uh, be privileged enough to come before you to share this morning. Um, I got to admit, to come up and stand in the pulpit at 11 o'clock is a little intimidating. I usually got into the pulpit about 11.30, and then at 12 o'clock, whether I was done or not, <laughs> I had an elder that was, uh, was blind, that was sitting in the second row back right there, and he had a watch that talked. <laughs> and at noon, in a voice that all could hear, it would say, it is 12 o'clock noon, and it was my signal that it was, I was done. We serve a risen Savior. And Christ Jesus is his name. And let that name be a name that it gives you encouragement every day of your life, no matter what your situation or where you're at. My message was pretty much started when Pastor Morosco was up here, and he was talking to you about volunteers. You see, uh, we all have an opportunity to sit back and watch the world go by, or to step up and be a part of it. And once you have, you realize how rich life is when you said hello and thank you to our Savior. You know this communion table that sits before us right here is God reaching out to us saying, please remember. Remember my son. Remember what he did. Remember that he's coming back. Our service to him is us shouting back, we hear you. We hear you. I often told people that if I was going to go to a different country and live for a year, and I've been to several different countries while in the service, but uh, desire none over this one, I would say that I would spend all the time I could learning everything about it so that when I got there I could speak the language, know how people lived, and know how to live our lives. And yet how many times do we sit back knowing that heaven is just a hand reach away. And we act like we're going to wait there before we see what it's like. God has for each and every one of you and for me a purpose. Oh, through the years I've heard so many people say, I have no idea what my purpose in life is. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what I want to do. God has a purpose for each of you. You might say, oh, I can't do anything. Through Christ, you can do everything. But here's my challenge. Do something. Do something. 
Because even God can't drive a parked car. And as long as you're parked, he waits. And as long as he waits, you miss on the blessing of serving our risen Savior. And this world right now, we're called to be the salt of the earth. But we're not called to be chameleons, to just blend in, to hope nobody knows who we are or what we believe. My hope is that if each of you would ever have to be arrested and taken to court for being a Christian, there would be enough evidence to convict you. You see, we talk about serious things, but we are one body in Christ. One body that you think, well, I came here just on a whim. No, you're here because God wants you to be here. And if God wants you to be here, he wants you to be part of it. We make up a big stew, all of us. Some of us are choice beef. Others are stinky onions. <laughs> One thing by itself doesn't make sense, but we put it all together, and it warms your heart, your stomach, and everything, and makes you just feel great. This church needs each and every one of you. One thing I heard from people many times is, I've already did that. It's up to somebody else now. Do you know what God says to you when you say, well, I already did that? He says, you're qualified. <laughs> you're qualified. Boy, you're a good-looking church. We need to sit a little bit further back. This is... I want to take you today and talk about spiritual gifts. Top of this pulpit's so big now, I think I'm going to lose my papers. <laughs> We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are given to people, to each of us, by our Lord. And I start with verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Stopping there and just to comment. He makes the comment to say that when we were non-Christians, we were considered pagans. And even though we thought we were living our own lives, we were being led. And actually led by the nose by the great deceiver. We were led to worship mute idols, money, cars, houses, things that can't show you love, that all of a sudden are raised to a point to where they're above God. Verse 3 which goes on and says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I hope you're like me. That when I hear somebody use our Lord's name in vain, 
it stirs my stomach. It's, it says right here, Jesus, therefore I want to, you, to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can ever say, Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, guiding each and every one of us, we will look and say that Jesus is our Lord. Verse 4 goes on to say, now there is a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers, empowers them all to everyone. How many people did it say that he empowers gifts to? Everyone. Do you consider yourself to be part of everyone? Or are you so special you're an island out there by yourself? God has given each of us a gift, at least one. You may not realize what it is, but it's up to you to strive to find out. And you can only find out by getting involved. Verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to, to other gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And to continue on with just verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are, were all baptized into one body, Greeks or Jews, slaves or free, and all who were made, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Our Lord has given us the ability to give back. Christ was a gift given to each and every one of us. He hung upon a cross. Eventually, the tide will change and we'll go from looking at his birth and the star in the sky to a cross on a hill with Romans around him hollering to kill him with thieves not understanding what it was all about. Him trying to tell to his disciples that really never got it, that he was coming back. And, but for him to come back, he had to go. What a dramatic way to carry upon his shoulders the sins of the world. Your sins. Mine. You say, well, pastor, surely you don't sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The perfect man, unless he's the Lord, is the biggest sinner. 
because pride reigns in his life. When pastor was saying he needed volunteers, I thought of him standing up here and know that that's his, that's his gig every Sunday to stand up and say how much he needs people. You can't afford to turn your ears off during that time or just take it for granted or just say, there's no way they could use me. Well, that might be true. There might be no way we can use you, but there's always a way God can use you. And if God's using you, we'll know. We'll know. I would just ask that when you come, and I hope you do, because today is a new day and a new challenge. And you may be thinking, Pastor, if you knew how busy my life was, you wouldn't be asking me to volunteer. And I understand we have busy lives. Since I've been retired, I've been busier than ever. But the Bible also says that in the end times, thorns will grow up and hinder our Lord. And what are these thorns? It's the things that are holding you back from serving. The weeds are growing up all around you. Satan is planting seeds everywhere he can. He's causing us to take our eyes off of him and to look at how busy we are. In Bible times, God came first, and then everything else. In these days, God fights for his position. And many people just use his name as profanity. For you to serve God, I'm going to say a word that's going to cause a lot of you to be uneasy. You have to submit. I know through the years when I had a sermon on submitting or would talk to somebody about submitting, it was, <clears throat> you mean we don't do things my way? No. We have to do things God's way. When we submit, we give everything over to our Savior. How much is everything? It's all we have. To your families. You have to give your families over to God. To husbands. You have to give your wife over to God. And to men. No matter how hard you hold on to it. You have to give your wallet over to God. When it says he owns cattle on a thousand hills. It means he owns everything you have. And sometimes we act like. What's ours is ours, and what's mine is mine, and if there's anything left over, then you can have a little bit. But submitting, submitting your will, submitting your life, we find that as we submit ourselves to God, 
the gifts that he so graciously gives us are manifested in ourselves. Because if we're not submitting, he can't bless us through these gifts. He cannot take and give us what we need. And so desperately look for. Our gifts are renewed and strengthened through submitting. And through submission, he gives us order. One word I hear these days that describe the world is chaos. Have you ever heard that word? How many of you have families that you feel is chaos? If you have little kids, you got chaos. But God breeds order into your life that allows you to deal with these situations that come up before you. We are all diverse. There is no one here that's identical to me. I think my wife, if I could hear her thoughts, just said, praise God. <laughs> Each and every one of us are different. We're as diverse as we can be. But there's nothing wrong with diversity. Our individuality is what makes us special. And when you're baptized, you become a new creation in Christ. That he says in his word that there is no one like you in the whole world. And so how special is your gift if you're the only one who has it? He looks at us and says we're a diverse group. But we find fellowship through the Holy Spirit. We know that God is the giver of every perfect gift. And God is because the scripture says so. So with our gift of salvation that we so desperately hold on to, we also have to hold on to the fact that we have gifts to serve him. How many of you realize the importance of what happened on the cross. You would say, Jesus died for us. The sins of the world was upon his shoulders, actually just hanging on them nails. He felt pain, but he also felt his Father's will. And what he did, he did for each of us. When Deb and I had gospel treasures, my favorite picture that we had that we would sell would be a picture of Jesus on a cross, the two thieves behind him, the Romans standing in front of him, and then you would just keep focusing back further and further in the crowd to where the dress became more modern, more modern, more modern, to where you saw astronauts in their outfits right up to modern day suits. And the words was, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Those words weren't meant just for the people standing in front of him. He was looking into the future. He was looking into this sanctuary, looking into each of our hearts. And that is dramatic enough. But, Christ ascended into heaven. He came back for just a short time to show everybody that what he said was true. He was truly the Son of God. 
And he told him, I have to go. Here's the most amazing part. He gave over his ministry to us. That from that point on, it was up to his followers to spread the word. To be the salt of the earth. It would be like a king with the greatest treasure ever giving it over to all of his people and saying, now you rule. He gave us salvation. He gave us his life. He showed us that he was who he said he was. And he, and he said in so many words, now it's up to you. When I have a funeral for somebody, I always talk to them about the poem, The Dash. I said, there are two dates that are very, very important. The first date is the date you were born. It's written, stamped in stone. The second date is the date you die. It'll be set, be stamped in stone. But what's most important is what happens between that first and last date. That's The Dash. What do you do to serve him? Oh, I imagine a lot of us, if we could, when we get to him, and he says, what have you been doing? And we'll, get, we'll, we'll stand back, puff out our chest, and say, you have no idea what it was like. It was so hard. People didn't like to hear about you. And he'll say, but you're only gone the twinkling of an eye. For to him, a thousand years is but a day, and a day is but a thousand years. And since there is no time in heaven, as far as he's concerned, we've stepped out and stepped right back in with the message being, you have no idea how hard it was. And then without saying a word, the memories of the cross would come through our minds. As a believer, having accepted Christ as your Savior, you are going to heaven. I have no doubt. And I get a little upset with people when I know that they've been saved, and I'll say, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? And they say, I sure hope so. I said, well, I sure hope so, too. But if you are who you are, and there's enough evidence to convict you of that, your reply should be, yes, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. To submit, so to, to submit to him here gives the meaning to our life. How many times have you woken up, and I'm afraid I'm guilty of this, how many times have you ever woke up and said, thought or said out loud to the Lord, Lord, don't worry about it. I got this one today. You know what he says? Okay. Go right ahead. When Deb and I first bought our store, I was one of the cockiest guys around. Been in the church my whole life. I thought I knew exactly what everyone needed and wanted. 
And so I come up with all these plans and all these pro uh, things that I put together for churches, and I describe those years as the years I outfitted several ships to go to places that nobody wanted to go to. And God has a subtle way of teaching you humility. And in humility, then you stop saying, I know, and you start listening to what others need. When Pastor Morosco was up here, he said, I need volunteers. Your thoughts were, I know. But do you follow, take and follow through? That's the question. As I go through this, if you're being, being convicted, it's not me. I don't know the majority of you, and I don't know your hearts. But God knows every one of you. He said that while you were being woven together in your mother's womb, he knew. He knew who you were. He knew the two dates in your life. But you see, there are two greater dates than that. The greatest date is the day of the cross. That's set. Christ gave his life for us. He ascended into heaven. He gave over his ministry to us as his believers. There's another date that's set that we don't know what it is. But we earn for the day of his return. And you may think, why does everybody talk about the return of Jesus? Why not? Why not? Because he's a coming. Right now, if I could look into heaven, I would see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Patiently waiting, not tarrying. It's not that he's forgot we're here. He's waiting. He's waiting for one thing. He's waiting for God the Father to look over. I would imagine to give a sheepish grin and say, it's time to stand up. He will stand, mount that mighty steed, and in an instant, we will meet him in the clouds. I personally can't wait for that day. But I know that between now and then, we have a job to do. The Bible says the fields are white, ready for harvest. There's people out there wanting to hear of God's word. And do you know that you may be the only testament that somebody reads? Talking to you, listening to you, see how you live your life. Call yourself a Christian, they watch every move. You may be the only testament. They read. They may never pick up a Bible, but by watching and listening to you, they'll know who Jesus is. We know that our works are in vain if God is not included. If the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, we build it in vain. How many messes have we made when we left God out of our building equation? 
I like to work with wood. I like to work around the house. Sometimes I take on projects bigger than me because I'm a man. And my wife always comes back with this phrase, what could go wrong? Unless God builds a house, we build in vain. The gifts that God gives us cannot do any good for us if we do not align ourselves with his will for giving us those gifts. It is a privilege to stand up here. Things have changed so much. What a music department. So inspire and get us all looking in the same direction before Pastor Zeb stands up here. And I told the church when I retired, greater things are coming than you'll ever believe. And indeed, they have. I love him. He's exactly what the church needed. And God's wearing him out if his kids don't first. <laughs> his oldest has been down to my place. Came down to meet me. When they went to leave, I told him, I said, you know, you're welcome back here anytime. You don't even have to bring dad. <laughs> Since then, he's not wanted dad to go. He worked with me in my shop for a day. Made all different kind of things. Some things I wondered about. <laughs> he made swords for all of his siblings. <laughs> I said, you sure you want to put points on those? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never did ask how that went. He's a tremendous young man. And he's not very shy. And he knows how to fence with swords, with real points. So he has my respect. But you see, I believe that right now we're at a crossroads. All of us. We're at a crossroads where we have to make a decision. What does tomorrow hold for us? When we were younger, and we have sold them in our store, we sold little books that were called multiple ending books. How many of you ever heard of those? A couple. It was a book that at the end of every chapter, you were asked a question. Based on the answering of that question, it would tell you what page to turn in the book. And so a single book could have many different endings, depending how you chose to answer those questions. We stand at a crossroads. Last year ended, and today's the first. This is the end of a chapter. Now we're being asked a question. Pastor Roscoe said we need volunteers. The church says we need volunteers. You have a decision to make. What's your answer going to be? Depending upon that, you're going to turn two different pages in that book. 
Now, I'm not talking about the book of life, because your name's written in the book of life if you're a believer. But you have to decide which way you're going to go. God will not give up on you. He never gave up on me. But I can tell you one thing. Sin will keep you from serving him in a way you should. Sin isn't always black and white. It's not always something you see. To me, sin is like a glass wall that you see through, but you don't know it's there until you bump up against it. Pride is the biggest sin that I see in today's world. I don't know how many of you know what a blowfish is, but it's a small fish that when it feels threatened, blows up and becomes two, three times its size to try to scare the other fish away. And I see people sometimes popping out their chest saying, look at me. I saw an illustration one time. And a lady went to her pastor and said, Pastor, write this down, Zip. This could happen. That's okay. <laughs> pastor, I am terribly in need of counseling. I've got this sin. I can't seem to shake it. The sin is messing with me. But I can't seem to get rid of it. The pastor sat back looked very concerning and said, well, what is your sin? And she said, I come to church every Sunday morning. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Then I stand in the middle of the sanctuary and I look around at every other woman in the church and I think, I'm more beautiful than any of them. The pastor smiled and sat back and said, honey, that's not sin. That's a mistake. <laughs> you see where pride can get you? It can get you. You have a tremendous church. We have a tremendous church. I'm glad Deb and I have been given the opportunity to come and worship with you, to sing with you. And I got to admit, they gave me this microphone early in the service. I wanted to make sure it was off before I sang anything. <laughs> Pride can do the same thing it did to Lucifer. It can make you fall. None of us are any greater than anyone else here. We are all the same. That's why God gives us all gifts. I don't have the ability to see what your gift is, or I might call you out on it. Because what else would an old guy do? I would always, when I was younger, from the pulpit, would always tell people how old I am. And they all would say, you're not old at all. Now nobody disagrees with me. 
I want to challenge you on this, the first day of a new year. Think of it as a line, a line that's drawn in the sand. Your Lord needs you. I should put it this way. God doesn't need you. He chooses to use you through the love of his son, through this communion table today. So remember that, that as you take the elements and the elders pass that plate by you, the cross is Jesus reaching out saying, remember what I did. And your service to him is saying, I remember. Let us pray for just a second. Heavenly Father, I pray for these, my brothers and sisters. I pray for their hearts and the spirit that you have instilled upon each and every one. May they find encouragement to know that you have a use for them. You love them. You need them. May this church continue to grow and this pastor continue to be blessed. For I ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.